Well, good morning from uh, from our backyard. It's um, uh, day. What are we? Day four of uh, of this uh, current lockdown that we're experiencing here in New Zealand. And um, I got out yesterday, did a little bit of work up up the backyard there. Made myself a little bit sore, but it's good to have a project. I I enjoy doing that. Um, I had a strange experience this morning. Uh, we went for a drive. So we live here in the suburb of Bethlehem. And then, of course, you know, the next suburb is uh, Tipuna. And uh, we had to go for a drive out to Tipuna. Not a very long drive, but we had to go for a drive out there to pick up some face masks that my wife had ordered online. And we need the face masks so we can do the grocery shopping. And as we were going for this drive, I was thinking a little bit about how much has changed in New Zealand in recent days. Uh, number one, buying face masks. I've, you know, I've obviously worn them on aeroplanes, but the idea of buying them, I've never, never bought face masks before in my life. Um, and then as we were driving out to Tapuna, you know, you, you just, uh, you know, you're driving along and as you come around the corner, you wonder, I don't know if these things even really exist around our city, but you wonder as you're driving out there, if you're going to come around the corner and find some sort of a checkpoint and how, uh, how weird it is even to be considering that in, uh, in New Zealand where we've, you know, that's sort of not been a, a familiar part of our, our life here in this particular country. I saw an article uh, the other day, and um, the headline, it was an American article, but there there is a, a sentiment in this article that I think is being uh, felt in other places too. And the article was called Freedom is Dying. And, uh, you know, it was talking about how in um, particularly Western countries, you know, there's more restrictions, there's less freedom of movement, etc., etc., and so I was thinking, uh, is it true? Is freedom dying? And then I was thinking, you know, actually, no. I think there is a worldly illusion of freedom that might be under threat or it may, may even be dying. But there is a freedom that never dies. It's 2 Corinthians 3.17. The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I was thinking about this last night. We were watching um, a movie on uh, on the TV last night, and it was about an Austrian man uh, who, uh, in in the reign of the Nazis, refused refused to swear loyalty to Hitler, and as a result, he was incarcerated, <clears throat> and for a lot of the time he was in prison. They left a letter in his prison cell with a pen, and all he had to do was to sign this letter, swearing allegiance to Hitler, and he would be free. And at one point, he was being threatened by one of the guards and, and, or, you know, like a senior figure in the regime who said to him, if you sign this, you will go free. And his response to that was very powerful. He says, I am free. Now he was, he was standing there with chains on his wrists and on his legs. Uh, so in the natural realm, he was a prisoner, but he said, no, I am free. There is a freedom that cannot be taken and that cannot die. Uh, it's not taken away if you have to wear a face mask or if there are checkpoints or restrictions on movement. Uh, there is a freedom uh, that is in the Holy Ghost.
So I was just thinking about that this morning. So anyway, uh, back to this uh, brief deconstructed Bible study that I um, have been sharing a little bit uh, with you each day from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 31. Here's a quick review. Paul and Silas come to uh, Philippi. As they're in Philippi, they're followed around by a slave girl who has a demon by which she predicts the future and does divination, and she is shouting, these men are showing you the way to be saved. Paul discerned that even though the demon was shouting truth, it was demonic, and so um, he discerned what was going on. He demonstrated the authority of believers and cast the demons out and set this prisoner girl free, and the result was... Uh, deeply unjust. He and Silas were uh, were beaten with rods and they were imprisoned in the darkest part of the prison. What happened next? Verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing and uh, singing hymns and praying and the prisoners were listening to them. So in that dark, smelly, oppressive place of torment, lamenting, groaning, complaining, even obscenity, uh, worship was echoing around. And then this happened. There was a great earthquake. So they're worshipping at midnight in the dark and there is a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's chains were loosed. So in response to midnight worship in the darkness by these two men who had been unjustly beaten, there was an earthquake and the foundations of captivity were shaken and all the doors were opened and the chains were loosed. So I suggested yesterday, that's a picture for us. It's a picture for us today and in the years ahead of a church that will worship even in dark times. Uh, and God will respond. We will see uh, amazing and unusual things happen as we bring the sacrifice of worship. And then look at what happens next, verse 27 through 30. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay. So there's the earthquake and all the doors open and all the prison prisoners' chains are loosed. And when the jailer realizes this, he was about to kill himself. Why was that? Well, he was preferring to kill himself rather than be killed by those he was accountable to because he was responsible for the incarceration of the prisoners. So here's what we have to realize. This man, this jailer, the one who oversaw the beating with rods uh, of Paul and Silas and their incarceration in the nastiest, dirtiest part of the prison. He was also a prisoner himself. He was an oppressor, but he was an oppressed oppressor and he lived in fear of those to whom he was accountable. Paul's response was this when the guy was about to kill himself. He didn't yell, yeah, go ahead and kill yourself. You deserve it. He said, do yourself no harm. So he responded in the opposite spirit to this man who had been part of this painful and unjust ordeal that he and Silas had just experienced. You and I both know this. In a measure, it's hard to have compassion on those who cause you pain, who oppress you or who persecute you. It's hard not to want to see vengeance on those who oppress or persecute. 
But Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this is reminding us that our battle is never with people. No matter what they do, our battle is not with people. In fact, I would suggest a big part of our battle is not with people. It is for them. So what's that got to do with us today? We can sit here in our homes. We can comp- we can be complaining about actions of those in the parliament or, you know, our civil leaders or whatever. We can be, we can be complaining if we think they're being um, heavy handed or incompetent or whatever else. But actually the Bible says, no, you're not, there's nowhere it talks about complaining about those in power. It says pray for them. This is also going to be very important. Um, in the, in the unfolding events of the last days, uh, because the church will come under greater pressure. The message of the gospel will be misrepresented. It will be called hate speech. It will be called bigoted or xenophobic or whatever else. So in the unfolding events of the last days, the church will be persecuted. In the book of Revelation, this is, I'm, I'm referring to something I heard Dalton Thomas say. He says in the book of Revelation, for example, the beast is overcoming the saints by killing them, but the saints are overcoming the beast by dying. Poor. Revelation 12, 11, and they, the saints in the book of Revelation, overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. This is an amazing picture of a humble, fiery, worshipping church with an undivided heart of love for Jesus that holds nothing back from him, even their own lives. They have a total focus on him and on what he's doing in the earth. And then look what happens here with the jailer. And this is going to roll into a snippet that I'll do tomorrow. The jailer says, what must I do to be saved? This man who was hours before beating them and oppressing them now comes to Paul and Silas and says, what must I do to be saved? Because see, he was confronted by what he'd just seen. He'd conf- he was confronted by this earthquake, this miracle. He was confronted and in that he recognized his need to be saved. Miracles are always a confrontation to skepticism, to doubt. Jesus said this in John ten thirty eight. He says, even if you don't believe me, believe the miracles. That's why they're called signs and wonders. They are signs that make people wonder. And so uh, I want to suggest to you again today, fill your house with worship, whether it's with your headphones on or play, play some worship, prioritize having some time of worship. I want to suggest to you that these are days for us to narrow our focus, to make the most, seize the opportunity. Don't just watch the TV, spend some time really focusing on the Lord, buying oil and saying, God, prepare me for all that's ahead, the good, the bad, the difficult, the downright ugly, whatever is ahead, make us ready. And then remember this, even in our frustration, if you are frustrated, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the rulers and principalities, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. So that's why we should be a people of prayer. We should be a people focusing on Jesus. And uh, and we should also be making the most of this time. So to you and your household, you know, whether you're alone or with a house full of people, whether lockdown is a delight or a disaster for you, whatever is going on, God bless you. 
fix your eyes on Jesus. And uh, don't forget, we'll have uh, our Zoom church gathering tomorrow. And uh, it'll be nice to see your faces. It's not the same as all being together, but it's still good to gather and be online together and look at the word together and have communion together. So God bless you. Have a really good Saturday.